All right. Welcome back, everyone. Did you miss it? You probably didn't. That's okay. But it's been a while since I've given one of these, and I probably should fill you in as towards why that is. I recently took a new job, recently moved, gotten settled into a new place, and just now, I'm starting to get a little sick. But let's get ahead with this, all right? I have my notes, I have my tea, and I have a Bible right here, ready to chat about a part of it. So let's get started, all right? If you've been listening for a while, thank you. If you have missed me, don't worry. I'm still around. But I have to say, if you have been listening to all of them, I appreciate it very much. Thank you so much. I have been taking copious notes over the past couple weeks, and I am ready to record a bunch, and I think I have a few more upcoming potential interviews that could be real fun to do. So... But this one that I'm recording right now is called Loving Means Doing. And yes, it's on request. So Noah, this one goes out to you, all right? Loving means doing. Let's get started. So in John, in John's gospel, there's a fantastic passage towards the end of it. In chapter 21. Let me read it to you. It'll help paint the scene and then we're going to chat. All right. It reads chapter 21 verses 15 to 17. So when they finished breakfast, Jesus said to Simon Peter, Simon, son of John, do you love me more than these? And he said to him, Yes, Lord, you know that I love you. He said to him, Tend my lambs. And he said to him a second time, Simon, son of John, do you love me? And he said, Yes, Lord, you know that I love you. So Jesus said to him, Shepherd my sheep. He said to him a third time, Simon, son of John, do you love me? And Peter was grieved because he had said to him the third time, Do you love me? And so he replied to him, Lord, you know all things. You know that I love you. And Jesus said to him, Tend my sheep. This is an interesting passage, to say the least, because this, in some ways, is Peter's redemption. These three questions are turning Peter's life around. So if you know anything about the Christian story, there was Jesus, a traveling rabbi, preacher, teacher, who was doing miraculous things, performing signs and wonders, especially in John's gospel, as it's talked about, but He dies at the hands of the political and religious leaders of the day and then miraculously rises three days later. This is one of the scenes where people encounter Jesus post-mortem now that he's been raised from the dead as he has said that he would. Now, on the night when Jesus was being taken in 
and wrongfully accused before a court in the middle of the night. Peter denounced Jesus. Guess how many times? Yep, three times. Good job. (laughs) But this right here, when they're having breakfast with the risen Jesus, is a triple affirmation where Jesus says, yes, I love you. I mean, Peter says, yes, I love you. Yes, I love you. Yes, I love you. And this really calls back to earlier. On the night when Jesus was betrayed, Peter was asked by three different individuals. Do you know that man? He says, no, I don't. No, I don't. No, I don't. By a temple servant, by a small girl, and then by someone else who recognizes Peter's accent as being one of those people that probably hung out with Jesus. And Peter said, no, 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 I don't know that man. I don't know that man. I don't know that man. And so this passage is really interesting. It's almost, you could say it sounds like an interrogation, but it's actually Peter having three questions being asked of him that helped to undo the three answers that he gave before. And so I'm not sure, but perhaps in the culture, maybe in Jewish culture, Jewish culture, there was something known as the, um, the property of three or the testimony of three, that you need at least three witnesses in order for a trial to stand in order for a truth claim to be validated. It's remarkable that here, Peter has the opportunity to say yes to Jesus three times. But I think there's something else also going on here. I think there's some other levels to this event than we maybe originally see on the surface level. Let me take a sip of my sip of my tea. Hold on. Mm. You see, for Peter, I think maybe Jesus was trying to teach him something, not only about his own allegiances, but maybe also to show Peter what it means to actually love someone. Case in point, what does it mean to actually love God, to love Jesus? You see, right here, (laughs) right here you can see um, Jesus is actually potentially rude, or at least Peter seems offended that Jesus keeps asking him, do you love me? Towards the end, it says that Peter is actually grieved by those questions by the end. But I think it comes down to this. To respond in love with words, but without actions, is not really love. Let me say that one more time. To respond in love with words to someone, but never with real actions, that's not really love. 
love always has actions that accompany it. Because anyone can be a charmer, right? Anyone can say good and nice and fluffy things to you. But it's the one that actually does something that you know as towards whether or not they really love you. And so be careful of the charmers. And also don't be a charmer. Don't be someone who just goes around flippantly saying that you love everything or everyone if you don't have the actions to prove it. Hmm. But keep your eyes out for the true romantics. The ones that actually back up their affirmations of love with legitimate acts of service, of self-denial for the sake of the other, the ones that know how to humble themselves, to give up things, to give to someone else, you know. Those perhaps are the real markers of love. But in this passage, I think Jesus is maybe teaching Jesus, uh, Peter at point and potentially us To love Jesus can never be separated from caring for our neighbors. You see, that's, that's one of the interesting things here, is that Peter, after every one of these affirmations, says, Yes, I love you. And Jesus' response is never, I love you too. Oh. But instead says, Go tend my sheep. Go be with my people. Take care of the least of these. To love Jesus means caring for your neighbor. Perhaps to Jesus, caring for your neighbor is just as good as saying, I love Jesus with your words. Or maybe they really are inseparable. You can't do one without the other. So when I was looking at this passage, I was really interested by one thing. Ready? Like I said, I think John's gospel has some deeper things going on. So if you have a Bible, <laughs> uh, flip over to John chapter 1. Okay? John chapter 1 is known as the prologue. The first 18 verses are fantastic and are seen as some of the most quotable passages in the New Testament. In fact, you might even recognize the beginning of it because it's going to echo the book of Genesis. But I'm going to read the first five verses. It begins, In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was in the beginning with God. All things came into being through him, and apart from him, nothing came into being that has come into being. In him was life, and the life was the light of men. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness did not overcome it. Now, if you're looking at this, the word overcome might have a little star next to it, or a little note to look towards the bottom of the page. Well, in Greek, the word for overcome 
can also say comprehend. So the passage could say, the light shines in the darkness and the darkness did not comprehend it. In John's gospel, I encourage you to go back and look through the whole thing. There's something unique happening with the play of day and night, with light and darkness. The same thing in John's letters, 1 John, 2 John, and 3 John. Ready? Pay attention in John's gospel to the time of day of which people encounter Jesus or talk about Jesus. Nicodemus in chapter 3 has a hard time understanding Jesus' teachings. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness could not comprehend it. Nicodemus came at nighttime in darkness, and he couldn't comprehend Jesus. But then, but then you go to chapter 4, and there's a woman. It's during the daytime. And she kind of does understand Jesus. Because she's not in the dark. She's in the light. And because she's in the light, she comprehends what Jesus is saying to her. Or let's fast forward. Peter, when Jesus is being betrayed before a trial in the middle of the night, notice, night, the darkness, they didn't comprehend Jesus, and so they sentenced him to a false trial where accusations were thrown at him because they did not understand him. Same thing with Peter. He was asked three times if he knew that man. He said, no, I don't know him. I don't know him. I don't know him. It's because at that point, maybe Jesus was still incomprehensible to Peter. But here, in this passage, in John chapter 21, where Jesus asks Peter three times, do you love me? Uh-oh. Take a guess. What time of day is it? They just had breakfast. The light has dawned on Peter in this instance. And he's starting to comprehend what it really means to love Jesus. The light shines in the darkness. And the darkness did not comprehend it. In John's gospel, there's a lot of denials or places where people don't understand Jesus and it always happens at night. But the affirmations, the moments where people do seem to get what Jesus is and what Jesus is about, hmm, that happens at daytime. You see, John's gospel, the prologue, kind of sets up how to understand and interpret the rest of the gospel. It's really a unique book. And if you were to even just go back and pay attention for the light and darkness, day and night passages, and seeing when people encounter him. Hmm. In John chapter 9, the man that was blind but then can see, he interacts with Jesus during the daytime. Mm. Isn't that fascinating, huh? So here we have Jesus having breakfast, which also tells us that 
Jesus wasn't an apparition, a ghost, or just a subtle collective vision, dream. He actually had breakfast, ate some fish with them. But to go back, it's in this passage that Peter starts to understand what it means to love Jesus. And that to love Jesus means doing something. It means caring for your neighbor, clothing the naked, feeding the poor, taking in the homeless, sheltering those who are in warfare, giving refuge, sanctuary, Hmm. It's fascinating how there's a lot of people that kind of go one of two ways. They either think that spirituality is all about just saying that you love Jesus, and then there might be another crowd that think it's all about social action. Well, maybe being a follower of Jesus means doing both. It means loving God and loving neighbor through your actions because saying words just means you're a charmer but to actually do something for the benefit of your neighbor out of love of God and love of Jesus mm, maybe that's the type of Christian that the world needs more more of more frequently the world just needs more people that think like that I'm going to read one final passage because as I was looking at this, not only did my brain jump back to thinking about the prologue, but my brain also jumped back to a passage in Isaiah that I think even John's gospel, the prologue in specifics, is thinking back on. So you could say John chapter 21 is kind of referencing John chapter 1, which is kind of referencing Isaiah chapter 9. And just listen. The people who walk in darkness will see a great light. Those who live in a dark land, the light will shine on them. You shall multiply the nation, you shall increase their gladness. They will be glad with your presence as with the gladness of harvest. As men rejoice when they divide the spoil, for you shall break the yoke of their burden and the staff on their shoulders, the rod of their oppressor as at the battle of Midian. For every boot of the booted warrior in the battle tumult and cloak rolled in blood will be for burning fuel for the fire. For a child will be born to us. A son will be given to us, and the government will rest on his shoulders. And his name will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Eternal Father, Prince of Peace. There will be no end to the increase of his government or of his peace on the throne of David and over his kingdom to establish it and uphold it with justice and righteousness. And from then on forevermore, the zeal of the Lord of hosts will accomplish this. And then to read 
chapter 9, verse 2, one more time in Isaiah. The people who walk in darkness will see a great light. Those who live in the dark land, the light will shine on them. John's Gospel has got a lot of great stuff going on in it. I took a class in college that I think cemented it as my favorite, not only because my first name is John as well. That's a surface level, but there's a lot of good stuff that happens in that passage. And one closing note. You might think that for Jesus, his relationship with Peter would be done. That Jesus, as he was being wrongfully brought before trial, as Peter denounced knowing him three times, even if a little girl just came up to him, Peter still said no. You would think you would never associate with a friend like that ever again. Someone who says three times under interrogation, nope, I don't know that person. Nope, don't know them. Nope. That's not the story of Jesus. Jesus always asks a new set of questions. help show us that our denial of him is not the last word. That Jesus is always ready to offer up a new question. Do you love me? And in response to us having another opportunity to say yes, his first response will always be then try to love the people around you. Peter's story wasn't done, even though he denied him. And so thanks be to God that God doesn't give up on us and that when we finally learned how to voice our love of him, he's got a task for us, <laughs> which is to love the people around us and to do something about the needs that they have. Yeah, John's gospel is great. Cheers. Until next time, all right?